I have a question this evening, and my question is this. If you're a fan or an owner or a president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers or the Cincinnati Bengals, and I don't know who else made coaching hires already for this next NFL season, but especially if you're in Green Bay or Cincinnati, are you a little bit worried because you've plucked from the McVay tree after what happened on Sunday in Super Bowl 53 Offensively, are you a little bit concerned? Hi, folks. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you on this edition, number 302 of Unscripted. And not taking a shot at the L.A. Rams. If you remember, I wanted the Rams to win. But Belichick and the New England Patriots, especially defensively, did a number on Sunday. And congratulations to the now six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, Tom Brady, six rings. He can sit down and have a conversation at the big table with Michael Jordan. And now they're just chasing, let's see, Bill Russell, Tiger Woods, and Jack Nicklaus. That's about it. Well, Arnold Palmer has seven. Um, Tom Watson has nine. So they got a few people to catch. But congratulations to the Patriots. Um, Not the prettiest of games, period. This one would have been ugly if it had been a preseason game in Tijuana City, Mexico. This was ugly. But the right team won. Congratulations to the Patriots. Um, Tough week for my friend Greg. The Rams didn't look good, and Isaac Bruce didn't get into the Hall of Fame. But congratulations to the guys that did. We can go through that as well. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, who I thought might be borderline, heads the list. That's how much I know. But I was right about some and wrong about others, as we all are, because this is all an opinion, folks. It's all an opinion. But um, I do want to start as I bring in the executive producer, Mr. Fluke. He doesn't want to go long on the Super Bowl. I think he's bitter because the Rams offensively played like shit. That's what they did, folks. And a lot of it had to do with New England's defense. I was depressed as well a little bit on on uh, Monday because I wanted to see somebody besides New England win a championship. Uh, one of the lower-rated television rating Super Bowls in years. I think probably A, because the Patriots were in it again, and B, the offenses were non-existent. A defensive game, and that's what leads to my question as I bring Chris in. Uh, again, congratulations to the Patriots, Belichick, and everybody but I have a small issue with Julian Edelman as MVP of the game. Um, I think in a game that gave up 16 total points that somebody from the defensive side of the ball should have won the game, or excuse me, should have won the MVP. Your thoughts? Well, you're absolutely right. And this shows, uh, you actually just mentioned two ways in which the NFL continues to be run by people who are uh, quite childish, if I can be frank here, because really... um, yeah, number one, the MVP pretty much has to be an offensive player. It's like these guys are a bunch of 14-year-old fantasy football players who don't know uh, anything about the defense, can't differentiate anything, can't do anything but look at a box score and hope for the best. And they go, oh, well, whatever. And if you had to pick an offensive player for the Patriots, I would agree that Julian Edelman was the best 
offensive player for the Patriots in that game. I'll give you that. But yeah, you would have needed to look and uh, find somebody on the defense if you're being serious about the league. But I'm not sure if the uh, NFL even pretends to be serious about the league anymore. But anyway, yeah, if you had to pick on defense, I would probably give it to Stephon Gilmore. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he was everywhere. He, he played well. Uh, but, you know, really... Uh, the the number one MVP on the defense is of course Bill Belichick, and that uh, that was just masterful game planning. Some great game planning on both sides. Wade Phillips was up to the challenge. No problem with what Wade yep. Phillips did. Yep. Can't, can't blame him. I was somewhat concerned that he'd get out schemed, and it was just the opposite. I had mentioned last week on Unscripted. I said, you know, the great thing about the Rams is they don't like to play a zone defense. But what Wade Phillips said, he did me one better. He was aware of that fact that you don't want to play zone against the Patriots, but then he mixed it up and he would disguise it constantly. So you didn't know if it was zone or man-to-man until after the snap, as Tony Romo pointed out. And I thought that was really, really brilliant. But yeah, I'd give it to Stephon Gilmer. But we have to get past this only guys who catch touchdowns or throw touchdowns are worthy of being MVP. That is just a childish view of things and uh, I'm just I just I don't know who, I don't know who's picking these MVPs but they could have done a lot better and uh, that that was just really really disappointing. I mean, what are you guys doing? Get get serious. That was that was about the most boring Super Bowl, you know, you're ever going to see, but uh, I mean, hey, look, um, Bill Belichick is the master of preparing for a young quarterback, even a first overall one. He is the master of just knowing how to confuse, send pressure, as also as Tony Romo so astutely pointed out, you know, he'd make it look like seven guys were coming and there were four, you know, and and it just confused him, I think. And then, of course, with whatever's going on with Todd Gurley, clearly there's some secret there. When you combine the two things, uh, yeah, that offense wasn't going to do too much, but uh, still a very disappointing effort. But to answer your original question, uh, no, I'm not concerned at all about Sean McVay or his disciples because McVay is excellent. He made it to the Super Bowl, and there's no shame in losing to Bill Belichick. But uh, it actually, and the other thing is the second point, I said it was twofold. The second thing that makes the NFL look childish is how they seem to really want the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the fact is we should be getting higher and higher ratings every year for the Super Bowl. There's no reason to have a drop-off, especially if you have two top 10 markets in there. But it shows that that's not what it's all about because, hey, nobody wants to see the Patriots anymore. Everyone's sick to death of them. And no one is going to give them much credit even because that's part of the problem. It's not just that they win. It's that everyone knows that outside Belichick, they're overrated. I mean, hey, Brady, greatest of all time. Yeah, only the greatest of all time could throw two touchdowns and three interceptions over the course of a playoffs and win the Super Bowl. So uh, lots to hate there. The game was boring. Lots disappointing. Terribly run league. What a shame. Okay, now, conspiracy theory. Listen to this. Okay. Everybody knows that Roger Goodell, excuse me, Jane Goodell's husband, commissioner of the National Football League, um, everybody knows that Goodell has a problem with the Patriots. Love to see the Patriots. And it must be just a bitch for him to have to give out the trophy almost every year to the Patriots. And I wonder if we're keeping him in there just to piss off Roger Goodell. I don't know. Um, It just seems ironic. And it's always a picture. I saw how many pictures last week, the whole Super Bowl week with Roger Goodell having this cheesy grin on his face as he's glad-handing Patriots fans, and then, of course, obviously Rams fans all week long. But um, I do have, to my recollection, and Greg will probably call me on this. I'm prepared. That's fine. I don't care. 
I throw this out there. There have been defensive MVPs in Super Bowl games. Two that I can remember. Three guys, two awards. Super Bowl five was between the Baltimore, then Baltimore Colts and the Dallas Cowboys. Baltimore wins the game on a last-second field goal, but Chuck Howley, defensive lineman for the, or linebacker, I think. I don't know, it doesn't matter. He played defense for the Dallas Cowboys, was the MVP of that game. The Super Bowl in 77, you do the math and figure out which Roman, Roman numeral it is. I can't, I don't care. Super Bowl in 77 was in New Orleans between Dallas and Denver. Da- Dallas wins the game, and the MVPs were Harvey Martin and Randy w- White, both down linemen for the Dallas Cowboys. I remember that vividly. Greg will probably tell me I've missed a couple, but to my recollection, there have been two defensive winners of the MVP in the Super Bowl. Um, already have odds out for next year. Same teams, 6-1 to one, Kansas City Chiefs. And that's all because of their MVP quarterback. And if they have to play a playoff game next year, the Kansas City Chiefs should request to play it on the road. They don't do very well in the postseason at Arrowhead. Um, congratulations to Brian Flores, a new uh, head coach of the Dolphins, uh, former some defensive assistant. The Patriots do have a new defensive coordinator today, Greg Schiano the former coach at Rutgers, the former coach at Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers, former defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and once had the Tennessee job for about eight minutes before the Rednecks revolted down there in volunteer land. But Brian Flores is the new coach of the Dolphins. Zach Taylor, new coach of the Bengals. Congratulations to them. And one little bit of police blotter news today that I was able to pick up. This guy's got to go, I think. I think he's worn out his welcome in Pittsburgh. And you know where the hell I'm going with this. But there's a been a police report issued in Pittsburgh. I believe it's in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I just saw a police report. And I'm assuming it's Pittsburgh. But it says that Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown pushed a woman to the ground. I think his days in Pittsburgh are done. Quite obvious. I don't know. Uh, deadline day in the NBA. Let's talk about it. That happens tomorrow. As we broadcast here on Wednesday night, uh, this is trade deadline eve in the NBA. Lots of activity. Lots of activity in the NBA. Uh, 76ers get a trade, another one. They now have a foursome. It's gone from a fabulous two to a terrific three, and now they've got a fabulous four in Philadelphia. Tobias Harris, you maybe not know of him, but he's a pretty good player. He was traded today from the L.A. Clippers to Philadelphia. There was a trade between the Rockets and the Kings and the Cavaliers. I don't know who went where. There was a trade between Detroit and Milwaukee. I do know Thon Maker was involved for the Bucks. I don't know who. I think it was a guy by the name of Dwayne Johnson, but I'm not sure from Detroit. A lot of guys getting traded. And the big question is, will Anthony Davis get traded by deadline day tomorrow? to his preferred destination, which is Los Angeles. Got any news on some trades for us? Uh, Well, just that, uh, you know, I'm sure that the Lakers can pull this off as long as they're, you know, starting the bidding with LeBron James and a first-round pick. I think New Orleans will say yes to that, maybe. <laughs> Not convinced, but the way things are going, they might get Mr. Unibrow Davis for uh, LeBron and a first, maybe LeBron and two firsts. I'm not sure what they're looking Four for. Four first-round draft choices is absolutely freaking ludicrous. 
for the New Orleans Pelicans to ask. I think, yeah, I know, they're getting rid of some garbage. Lonzo's dad has made his opinion known, but supposedly the last offer from the Lakers was Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, uh, two number ones, and some other guy, center, named Zubik. I know those four, and two number ones. And the Lakers then bring back, obviously, AD, and they bring back some guy's contract. They absorb some guy's contract. Through media sources, not confirmed by the New Orleans Pelicans, but through media sources, supposedly the Pelicans are looking for four number ones. I have one word for Del... No, excuse me. (laughs) Three and a half words for Del Demps, the general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. Four number ones, Del, go fuck yourself. Um, Magic wants Davis, Anthony Davis, once from the University of Kentucky, now, of course, with the New Orleans Pelicans. For how longer? Much longer, we don't know. I think it would be advantageous for New Orleans to probably wait till the summer and get better potential draft package or you know trade packages from other teams. But do you want to deal with a disgruntled Anthony Davis and how hard is he going to play after the trade deadline if he's still in New Orleans? They've already taken him away, taken him away from their marketing materials. So obviously, he's not going to be around. It's whether he goes now or he goes in July. And if it isn't the Lakers or the Bucks or the Clippers, the teams that he says he would agree to a long-term extension with, if it isn't one of those teams, Knicks, well, Lakers won, Knicks two, Milwaukee three, Clippers four, supposedly, are the four teams that he'll agree to to a long-term extension with. But if he gets traded, let's say, to Boston... And everybody has said he doesn't want to be in Boston. Oh, my God. This could get ugly, and it's stupid. You know what? I, you know, obviously I'm old school. Said it many times. But there have to have been some guys back in the grand old days of sports. With me, that goes back to the 60s. But I know that there were some Packers that didn't really like playing for Vince Lombardi. But do you think they went to Vince Lombardi and said, I want to be traded by the time the trade deadline. I can tell you what Coach Lombardi said, and he was a religious man, so I'll keep <laughs> it in with the confines of the context. context. Uh, I can tell you Paul, Paul Horning would never have gone to Vince Lombardi and said, Coach, I want to be in Los Angeles because I'm a budding career movie actor and the girls look better in Los Angeles. And I think Coach Lombardi would have said, I'll see you at practice at 10.15, Paul. And probably a few other expletives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, these guys, it's just really annoying. I think uh, I think it was episode 51 of Unscripted where the title was Shut Up and Play Basketball. Yeah, that was Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and uh, once again, I think the solution to all this complexity is simply shut the fuck up and play basketball. Anyway, here's another trade. See, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Chicago Bulls receive Otto Porter Jr. in exchange. Going back to the Wizards. We've got Mike's best friend, Jabari Parker, and Bobby Portis, and a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, your thoughts on well, I'm the happy return for, on Otto? I'm happy for... Uh, well, first of all, I didn't think, according to Ted Leonsis, I think that's his name, he owns the hockey team and the basketball team in the D.C. area, and I still think he's a bit of a putz for letting Barry Trotz go to the New York Islanders, but that's for another day. 
I didn't think because a week ago the owner came out and said that we are going for making a playoff run and nobody's getting traded. And that included Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Otto Porter Jr. Well, amazing what happens after John Wall blows out his Achilles in an accident at his home yesterday. He's out for the next year, and all of a sudden, the next day, Otto Porter Jr. is on his way to Chicago. (laughs) So I guess the rebuild is on in the U.S. capital city. Um, Chicago did well with this trade, but I'm really happy for Jabari Parker because I think Jabari Parker has handled this whole ugly situation in Chicago very well by being benched. People knew and should have known what Jabari Parker was like when Chicago entered into contract discussions with him. He's an offensive threat, but even can't even, and he went to Duke. He can't spell defense. You knew that. So the new coach comes in and puts him at the end of the bench for a team that can't, can't score offensively, meaning the Chicago Bulls. So Otto Porter Jr. is not going to the playoffs in Washington. I can tell you, Garen Frequentia, he's not going to the playoffs in Chicago either. But I'm happy for Jabari Parker to escape Chicago. I haven't seen a trade like this in a while. Philadelphia 76ers receive Malachi Richardson, a 2022 second-round pick, and the draft rights to Emir Prelzik. Toronto Raptors receive cash. Really? Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen like a sale like that no, since uh, Gretzky. I, 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 there were some baseball trades back in the day when Charlie O'Finley or Charlie Finley owned the Oakland A's, and he was trying to get rid of assets because he couldn't afford them. So, yeah, he's... He made a lot of cash deals back in the 70s and broke up those great Oakland A's teams that had won three World Series, 71, 72, and 73, and then Charlie sold them off, just like he was at auction. Uh, Yeah, big day, though, in the NBA, and I think that's going to be, obviously, if it's this busy, trade deadline eve in the NBA. I can imagine there's going to be a lot of deals tomorrow on trade deadline day. Well, uh, do so there was a three-way trade today as well. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. Um, Rockets, Kings, and Cavaliers. You got it, yeah. Did you, any of the names mean anything to you? Iman Shumpert went to... He played with LeBron in Cleveland he last to year. Houston, yeah. He's now in Houston. Besides that, nope, not a damn thing. Yeah, it's uh, just kind of... Sound it's some, theory. you know what it is. One team's garbage getting rid of another team's garbage. Mm-hmm. Maybe just you know whatever it is. Uh, the Milwaukee uh, Thon Maker trade I do know was for former number one lottery picks. Uh, Milwaukee sends Thon Baker to Detroit. Detroit sends back his last name is Johnson. He was a number. He was the eighth overall pick in a couple years ago draft for Detroit. He comes over to Milwaukee primarily to play defense. But basically, I think in this case for these two guys, it's basically maybe a change of scenery kind of thing. Yeah. Thon Baker had two weeks ago requested a trade out of Milwaukee. He's out of the rotation. Milwaukee now goes 10 or 11 guys deep, and Thon Baker wasn't getting any run. So he asked for a trade. And what did the golden parachute land him? In Detroit. <laughs> Yuck. Well, our last trade I'll bring up here because your Lakers made a trade with the Pistons. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, so Lakers got Reggie Bullock. Yeah. And the Pistons... It's not often I feel like Mike when it comes to looking at Russian names here, but uh, I mean, I'll try it. Sviatoslav uh, Mikhailiuk. I don't know if that's how you say Probably did better than me. Yeah, mm. 2010 and 2021 second round pick. Uh, go to the Pistons in exchange for Reggie Bullock to uh, the Lakers. Um, yeah, so the are, the are the Lakers dead last in catch-and-shoot efficiency? Yep, absolutely. Whew. That's why New Orleans won't make this trade. 
the guys that the Lakers are offering, who were two of them were former, well, Lonzo Ball was a second overall pick. Brandon Ingram was a second overall pick. Kyle Kuzma was a 30th, but first round. So in the first round, he was a 30th pick or 28th pick late, late in the first round. None of these guys can shoot. That's the problem. That's the problem here. And that what else can magic cannot give up for first round draft picks because you're then mortgaging the future. And I know they're going to have some availability, but to make that availability in regard to salary cap to go out and sign some more guys to augment LeBron being in Los Angeles, you have to get rid of Lonzo Ball and and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, and nobody wants their sorry ass. I mean, I understand where New Orleans is coming from. you got to hold out for a king's ransom. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But you just wonder, keeping a, g- a guy around that doesn't want to be there, that's got to be thought of too, because you ain't going to win any more basketball games if you got your best player pissed off. He's not going to give 100%. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Does he have short arms like Kevin Johnson? Is that why he can't shave between his <laughs> nose there? No. He's got like broad probably, shoulders yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah. He's got arms that go down to... Yeah. He's got long arms. Remember Kevin Johnson? Was oh, that, yeah. right? With like, I think it was Kevin Johnson. Was that, is that, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. He had like... I saw him doing a dunk once and his hand... He's a tall guy, but just his arms No, are, Kevin Johnson... The, the Kevin Johnson I know of was a point guard for the Phoenix Suns. Who was the NBA player like 20 years ago who had... Even though he was a tall guy, who had unbelievably short arms for his body. Could that have been Manute Bull? No, no, no. It was like a... No, it no. wasn't Manute A real player? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deadline day in the NBA. I haven't seen this much flurry in years. Again, it's people trying to get rid of their garbage for other people to take on other people's garbage, and they're trying to find terms in contracts that their budgets can live with. That's what this is. is. This is bad contracts being traded for bad contracts. Uh, Philadelphia, no way in hell are they going to be able to f- afford four guys ultimately when their contracts come up. The first one that comes up to my recollection would be Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler at the end of this season. And I think Jimmy Butler has already worn out his welcome in Philadelphia. He's openly criticized the coach. He's openly called out the coach about their offensive sets. So I think Jimmy Butler's probably is almost as good as gone uh, from Philadelphia. So Lots of changes in the NBA. Uh, we also remember, um, we'll talk about this more in later episodes this week. We had a big signing in the National Hockey League. And, of course, the National Hockey League has their big trade frenzy coming up Jan- Excuse me, February the 25th. I don't think the National Hockey League, and I want to talk about this more later in a different episode, but I'll start it now. I don't think the National Hockey League gives these guys enough time. Some teams have 9, 10, 11 games left when the trade deadline is completed, and I don't think that's enough time to give teams, and maybe it's a little bit more, maybe it's 15 games, but I still think it should be an earlier trade deadline day in the National Hockey League so you can really find out if the guy is, you know, if there's that missing piece for a team that thinks they have a chance to win a Stanley Cup and you bring this guy in and you only have a few games to get acclimated to this guy's style, why'd you make the freaking trade then? I just think that they should be a little bit more open-minded about the trade deadline day in the National Hockey League to give these teams that are giving, you know, giving up assets to acquire these players to hope that that's the missing piece. And it'd be nice if they could have a, a little bit more time 
to build some camaraderie. The teams that they have been playing on, they suck the big one anyway. They aren't going to the playoffs. So I, I just think they should look at maybe a couple extra weeks just to give these guys times to time to gel. I think that there's a legitimate and deserved worry there that uh, the more you push it out, the easier it becomes to buy championships because really then you get more time to gel. That's the one good thing is sometimes these, you know, high rolling teams that have all this money, like the Rangers, for example, they can just get whoever they want and everybody wants to play in New York and everybody wants the big contract from the Rangers. And then uh, at least some of the small market teams can laugh when they uh, don't gel and it's, they just don't fit in the big city, for example, right? And so then now if you do this, uh, that's that, that's the thing I would worry about. It, at least here, there's a chance that, oh, you tried to buy a championship and you failed because you didn't factor in team chemistry, which in hockey is as important as in any Absolutely. other sport, yep. right? So, I mean, that's, a, that's one and where that's really what I, a That's where I'm coming from. You know, I would think that these... Not the owners so much. They're still paying contracts regardless of who's getting their money. But I'm thinking that these general managers, uh, heads of presidents of hockey operations are hockey guys through and through. And they would like a little bit extra time to put their teams together if they make a trade, especially one that's involving big draft picks for big names. And, you know, it's an audition for everybody, folks. It's like a job interview. And people forget sometimes that a job interview is each party interviewing each other. It's not just the job posting guy interviewing the job looker, the job seeker. They're interviewing each other if it's a good interview. Um, I think there's a lot of, at stake here, and I think that this could be something that they could look at. I don't know. I mean, if they're allowing teams out of the All-Star break or including inclusive of the all-star break, 10 days off between games, they're open to anything. They've got room to work. It's like Chris and I trying to figure out college football and why these yahoos can't have at least eight teams and we'd like 16 in the college football playoff. We could make it happen. Eliminate those shitty weeks between the conference championship games and the bowl games. That's almost three weeks there. You could play some extra games in there. Um, we got to run. Football season's over though, right? No, it's not. Another football league starts this weekend, doesn't it? Oh, the AAF. Yeah. I, I still I still can't imagine why it wasn't the AFA. AAF yeah. is so awkward. AFA? Okay. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. yeah, ridiculous. I think somebody's football league starts this weekend. Wasn't it supposed to be the week after the Super Bowl? Uh, the AAF. That's yeah, yeah. The Alliance Charlie, American Football. Charlie, Charlie Ebersol's Charlie league. Ebersol's league. It's, but it starts this week. Oh, I don't know about if it's this week, but it is supposed to... Yeah, I, I heard the same thing. That's or I always did, that it's yeah. supposed to be right away. We can probably find out. But it's, Well, I know we could find out. Do we care? Um, I don't. I looked at some of the ex-Packers that have made other teams roster in the AFA or AFF or... AAF. Whatever. Jesus Christ, assholes fighting something. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't know many of the Packers that were even... Had been Packers, or at least mm -hmm. on the practice squad, that caught on with one of the teams in this league. I didn't know. I knew one guy, Chris Odom. He used to play with the 49ers, played with Green Bay for one year. He, he's a defensive end. That's how bad the Packers' defensive end is. The only guy who's making any contribution is going to do it in the AAF. Or oh, there's a guy in the AAF that you know very well because uh, he brought him up a lot of times on Unscripted. Yep. So here's here's your a first ever AAF trivia question. Yep. Who is going to be the first ever head coach 
of the Orlando Apollos. Oh, I know that. Steve Superior. There you go. Steve Superior, the legend in his own mind. Mm-hmm. The ball coach, absolutely. He was actually the first hire in this league, I believe, coaching-wise at least. I mm-hmm. think he was first. Will you watch whenever it starts, whether it's this week or next week? You'd think we'd have seen some advertising on CBS if it was this week, so maybe it's next week. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Can't watch it. It's like the old USFL of the 80s. Remember that, folks? With the Philadelphia Bells or the Philadelphia (laughs) whatever the fuck they were. And there were uh, the Boston Breakers, the Portland Breakers, the New Orleans Breakers, and then all of a sudden the league was just broke. I mean, uh, Donald Trump tried to sue the National Football League and won. He was awarded $1. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, officially the league, it says, starts on February the 9th, which is in three days. So, yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen, I have seen nothing. I've, I've seen, seen nothing. I, nothing. I, that's amazing. You would think Charlie Ebersol would know about television advertising and how important it is if you're trying to get a new league started. And he was brilliant enough to get a contract, I think, with CBS. Why haven't I seen an ad for it? Okay, well, just for fun... Uh, just hey, we want to be informative on uh, unscripted, so we are going to educate you with the first. Uh, well, I guess all eight teams, the name, yeah. city, and names of them, and I'll give you the eight head coaches, and uh, you go. We'll, we'll see what you say here. Let's finish off with this. So, um, in the Eastern Conference, we have the Atlanta Legends, the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis es- Express, and the Orlando Apollos. And in the Western Conference, we have the Arizona Hotshots the Salt Lake Stallions, the San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. And uh, if there's something that doesn't sound right to me, it would be Stallions in Salt Lake. And I know they're talking about (laughs) horses, but the men there, that's not really what I'm thinking about. Anyway, all right. So see what you think about these eight names. Okay. Ready? These are the eight head coaches. Yep. Kevin Coyle, Tim Lewis. Tim Lewis used to play defensive back for the Green Bay Packers. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, this guy, I think, is a fucking asshole. Mike Singletary. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Jesus. What a fucking... Re- oh that guy's my like... God. Is he related to Isaiah Thomas? Because, <laughs> like, they just remind... They both have that, like, bug eye, like, oh, yeah, keep talking. I'm going to kill you. Like, they have that look. Uh, great football player, but... Yeah, great football player. Great football player, but, man, something's happened to him. You know, maybe too many hits without the helmet on or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, Where's I'd, Singletary coaching? Uh, Memphis. Memphis. Okay. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would love to give him a paper bag and ask him to coach his way out of it. Anyway, so. <laughs> he'd have to contact <laughs> Jeff Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, and he, hey, that's the reason that Khaki Boy looked so good in San Fran because he was following Singletary. That's mm-hmm. that, yeah, nowhere to go but up there. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to say this name, but we'll say Rick. Newheisel. Newheisel used to be the coach at UCLA. Oh, I guessed it right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the guy who has to unfortunately go to Salt Lake City is a guy named Dennis Erickson. Used to be the coach of the 49ers, was the coach of the great Miami teams, the Hurricanes, the college team. He followed Jimmy Johnson at the University of Miami, okay. won a couple national championships. Oh. Didn't do anything in the pros. Oh, okay. And then uh, in Mike's old stomping grounds of San Antonio, Texas, we've got Mike Riley. Used to coach, I, I, I interviewed Mike Riley when he was the coach of the San Antonio team in the USFL back in the 80s. I wasn't doing radio then, but he was on to other jobs. But he was the coach of the San Antonio Gunslingers of the old USFL. 
He was the coach last year at Nebraska. We know how well he did at Nebraska last year. <laughs> not <laughs> I, very good. I remember talking about yeah, him. Not very good. Yeah. And uh, finally, the San Diego Fleet coach is the great Mike Martz. I'm surprised by that. I really am. I didn't think Martz... Well, he looked old like 25 yeah, years ago. <laughs> I, I didn't think Martz... Would, hair, but... I don't know if Martz needed to do this, but I guess if you've... Like a lot of them, you've been a coach all these years. You only know one thing. And, and I mean, look at Steve Superior. He's got to be close to pushing 70, and here he is starting in another startup league. Steve, Steve Superior has coached, obviously, at the major college level. He's coached in the USFL. He's coached in the NFL. And... Um, how about the World League of American he, Football? He, there was one other, too. Was no, he, he played. Excuse me. He played. He played in the, the In laugh. the old WF. Right. I love how it's called the laugh. But, but <laughs> he, play, no, he played in the WFL or the World Football League in the 70s. He played in Tampa Bay with the Canadian. He was the owner, John Bassett. Does that name ring a bell? His daughter was a, her daughter was a big uh, tennis player. But he owned the, San, the Tampa Bay Bandits and his quarterback, was Steve Superior. Oh, that's a wonderful connection. Well, since Mike gave us great background on seven of the eight coaches, I'll do the eighth one. The first one I mentioned was a guy named Kevin Coyle, who is a 63-year-old man from Staten Island, New York, which is about the saddest thing I can possibly picture. <laughs> and uh, Probably orders good pizza. Yeah, yeah. So he's the head coach of the Atlanta Legends. He was previously a defensive analyst for the LSU Tigers and formerly the defensive backs coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Congratulations, coach. Yeah, don't lay a coil. <laughs> we got to run. <laughs> we got to run on this uh, 302nd episode of Unscripted. Thanks for joining us. Hope that you continue to do so. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.